Welcome to Dodgers Dogs. Casey Porter here, joined by Austin Brubaker, as I am on each and every Wednesday and Friday night whenever I can talk him into it. So, Austin, hey, lots to talk about tonight, but really, you know, this is your show as the fan. We want to get to all of your questions, so let's get a good lobby going. But other than that, what's going on with you, Austin? How are you? I'm doing great, Casey. First off, Happy New Year. It is, I believe, the first live show that we are doing in the year 2024. It is the year that Shohei Otani, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, and Tyler Glass now will be playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Man, how could that not excite you? We are in the year of new baseball and there is a lot of hope for the los angeles dodgers as you mentioned this is going to be a show where right now there's not a ton of moves going on there was a small trade that took place today so we can kind of go into that maybe just a little bit kind of address that there has not been a ton of news right now so we want to kind of hear from the audience kind of what you guys want us to talk about we know that the Dodgers have holes that they are likely or at least need to address, or rather I should say they would want to address it as opposed to they have to address it. But there's still a lot to talk about during the offseason. We are getting closer and closer to Dodgers baseball. It is 2024, which means in just a couple months, it will be time for Dodgers baseball. No doubt about that. And we have a good lobby already going tonight here on Dodgers Dogs, so let's get right to it. James, I'm going to answer your question here in just a little bit. James Gotcher, thank you so much for joining. One reminder that we do have this Dodgers Dog live show every Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. Also super excited. We're going to go live tomorrow night. Austin and I did our Dodgers Top 10 Prospects as per MLB Pipeline. We covered them. It's going to be about an hour-long show. We're going to go live tomorrow night in the chat so uh, that's going to be super exciting so join us tomorrow night james gotcher says roki sasaki is a two-way player like Shohei, how will the dodgers handle that if they sign him next year first way that they're going to handle that is kind of like river ryan when he comes to the dodgers with that 100 plus fastball there is no doubt he is going to come to the dodgers as a pitcher a pitcher primarily it's going to be kind of like one of those situations more than likely if you need a, a position player to pitch, like in a 10-run game, right, then, then then very well. Or if you need an emergency catcher, hopefully Sasaki never actually has to play the field. You would imagine, of course, it all goes into negotiations. You mentioned this last time, Austin, that, that it's all going to be about what Sasaki wants. I mean, if Sasaki is very big on, hey, I want to play two ways, this kind of deal, it's all going to go as far as those negotiations go. But I would imagine the Dodgers' plan – would be to make him a pitcher first with that 100-plus fastball because that would be the biggest value they could get out of them. Yeah, I think with Sasaki, I think you're going to get just a pitcher out of him. I haven't heard of him playing in the field over in Japan. Perhaps it's just something that I don't have a lot of scouting over on him, but I think primarily with Sasaki, you're going to get that electric dominant stuff, stuff that is as if not possibly more exciting than what you're going to get for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. So with Roki Sasaki, obviously that is still a best case scenario, a year away from becoming a possibility over baseball in America. But with Sasaki, you're getting a dominant electric pitcher 
who would be even younger than Yoshinobu Yamamoto is when he came over. He wouldn't be at free agency, so I believe you would be able to, at least during the first couple of years, get him fairly cheap. You might have to use some international free agent money. I'm not sure exactly what that process is going to ensue, but I think with Sasaki, you're going to see him primarily be a pitcher if he comes over to America, and hopefully with the appeal that Shohei Otani, Yoshinobu Yamamoto are bringing, hopefully the Dodgers can appeal a great talent like Sasaki next year. No doubt about that. I have not other heard also that Sasaki was a two-way player. If he is, Mike Mike might be in the in the lobby here in just a second. It's hard to get information on stuff like that sometimes, but I have not heard that. But if he is, I couldn't imagine him being a two-way player with the Dodgers. So, hey, James, thank you so much for that comment. want to remind everybody that the Super Chat is up and live. Hey, got our all of our, our hats and our our hoodies and our shirts and and all that ordered today at my local sporting goods store that that i that i frequent and i'm going to get a dozen hats so i'm going to show the hats and if anybody wants a dodgers daily hat or if they want a sweatshirt or a shirt and just let me know and then we can get after it and and get you that going okay uh uh, tonight john cozy is in the lobby and jay he's saying that that Sasaki is not a two-way player, just a pitcher. Very good one. Hundred plus hundred mile an hour, rumored up to hundred and two, maybe hundred and three. We'll see. But he is going to be very coveted. I think Austin, the thing that you said about him that resonates the most, and the same thing with Yamamoto, is that because in the MPB, usually these Japanese players have to play nine years, right? They're, they're like thirty years old before they become a free agent. Shohei Otani was different. He put a clause in there. So the difference between these two guys, Yamamoto, Sasaki, is the fact that you get them at such a younger age. Therefore, you're able to give them the 10 to 12-year contracts because you're only going into their, say, 32. It would be like Sasaki would be like his his age 32 year, which is still very, very vibrant in terms of production. And then with, with Yamamoto, obviously up to 37. But then again, we've seen the Dodgers do some creative things there. So it's definitely not, you know, the talent obviously is there. Then you have Shohei Otani, so you want to take advantage, full advantage of this window that you have. That's all there, but still the age matches up for those. That's what's making these two guys so attractive. Yeah, it's it's the level of talent and the youth that these guys have. Look, when you want to acquire baseball players, you want to acquire them at their peak. You want to acquire them when they are at their most valuable and when they are at their best. And what would, a trend that we've seen in the game of baseball is the age at which players are at their best seems to be getting younger and younger, where a lot of these guys are coming up and becoming really talented, 24, 25, 26. They are very good. And they and what you want is you want to get those players in those primes as opposed to playing for years for what they did in the past. So the value of Yamamoto and the value of Sasaki would be that you're getting them at some of their peak years. And so I think with Sasaki, obviously still a year away, he was going to be very valuable as opposed to a piece. I know there's some rumors right now going about Shota Imanaga. The difference between them 
besides talent-wise, is the age. Imanaga is 30 years old. You would be paying for him as he starts to get a little bit over, as he gets further and further away from the peak that he has athletically as a pitcher, or at least what is assumed to be the peak based on the aging curve. And so that is some of the value that Sasaki Yamamoto has, both tremendously talented pitchers and with Sasaki, with Otani and Yamamoto, both on the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think the Dodgers right now, if you had asked me today, have the best chance of getting Roki Sasaki, which is incredibly exciting for next season, for the future of this Dodgers rotation. Still some work to do in 2024 as far as making sure that innings are met, but a lot to be excited about as far as the future as the Dodgers anticipate possibly getting Roki Sasaki to just add to the tremendous talent on the starting rotation. Yep, and it's going to be very exciting because you're going to get back Shohei Otani next year pitching, Tony Gonsolin, you don't know exactly what Dustin May is going to give you, so very exciting this year and then obviously next year as well. What I'm trying to do is I'm actually trying to get video up of Justin Chambers the young man that the Dodgers actually acquired today in a trade. Now, we mentioned here is him right here pitching. You can't see it, Austin. I don't have the virtual camera on. But all of the crowd right now is seeing Justin Chambers, an 18-year-old that the Dodgers just picked up out of Milwaukee. Now, we mentioned that just because Brian Hudson got DFA'd, didn't mean that the Dodgers automatically were going to lose him. We mentioned he could still get traded. When you get DFA'd, you have seven days for the club to trade you. So what was going to happen if the Dodgers didn't find a trade partner for Brian Hudson, because Brian Hudson had been DFA'd, I think, two or three times already, he was going to choose free agency. So at that point, you were going to get nothing for him. So the fact that the, now now Chambers, he is young. He is, he's another Tommy John guy. But he's left-handed, very talented, good breaking stuff, advanced breaking stuff for his age. He's long, he's toolsy, and he is—he has a lot of projectable to him. So the fact that the Dodgers got anything for for Daniel Hutter, uh, Daniel, I always that anything for Brian Hudson is a win because you weren't going to get anything for him if he cleared waivers and then he wouldn't he wasn't going to accept a minor league offer i don't think he was going to end up becoming a free agent and so instead of getting nothing you got a very talented young controllable player pitcher that's tall like hudson is left-handed like hudson is talented like hudson is that you can really develop through your program so super excited congratulations to the dodgers they are the absolute best at finding these deals, you know, just kind of at the 11th hour that benefit them. This was an absolute win for the Dodgers, considering the entire situation. Yeah, very much a win. And first off, I want to say congratulations to Brian Hudson, who is getting an opportunity in Milwaukee. He'll be right there in contention for the bullpen with Milwaukee. He's super pumped. He's going to do some great stuff. With him, with the Dodgers, as you had mentioned, he had got designated for assignment. They just didn't have any room for him once the the uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto signing was official, so he got designated for assignment. If he had gone through that, he likely would have become a minor league free agent, and he could have signed for any team. Dodgers would have lost him for nothing. Now, I think this is something that good 
winning sustainable organizations do they pay attention to every single small detail there's a reason why we're talking about this not just the major league club because every aspect of the major league organization matters and you have to be on top of everything with brian hudson he could have been one of those guys where we just don't have room for you we're just going to try to see let you go to free agency be able to choose your own route instead the dodgers were able to find a trade partner in the milwaukee brewers and they were able to get a piece that is younger that who was drafted i believe in the 20th round this past season by the milwaukee but he did get a signing bonus that was close to mid fourth round signing bonus level. This is a guy who the Milwaukee Brewers really spent a lot of time trying to get out of his commitment, I believe to Arizona state, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of, upside came off of Tommy John, which the Dodgers have worked with a lot of guys who have come off of major injuries before Hmm. you turn Brian Hudson, a guy who could have been gone for nothing into a younger controllable guy that you can help develop as he gets older, a guy that a lot of that the organization can work with, can be start to become excited about and clearly has a ton of talent being that he was Uh, committed and got a large signing bonus to get out of his commitment to Arizona State, which is a good baseball program out there. Justin Chambers, I don't know a lot about him, obviously, just came up through the high school ranks, but I can tell you that the Dodgers are excited about him. They pay attention to the margins, which is something you have to do if you want to have sustained success. This is the reason why the Dodgers continually have one of the best farm systems out there is because they pay attention to each one of the small details. And pretty soon they'll find some hidden gems. They'll find a river Ryan. They'll find a Nick Frasso. They might find Justin Robleski. Justin Cham- they'll find a Robleski. They'll find a Justin Chambers. Or a Ronan Cop for that matter. <laughs> yeah. They find so many guys. And it's because they pay attention to the margins. So you have to pay attention to every aspect of your organization if you want to keep the sustained level of success that the Dodgers have had and you want to be a model organization, this is something model organizations do. So this was a very good trade. It's a good opportunity for Brian Hudson. Dodgers weren't going to offer him that opportunity in the position there are now, and they didn't have spots on the 40-man roster for him. So he gets an opportunity, and the Dodgers continue to add talent and and pay attention to the margins and make good, smart decisions. You can make good, smart decisions and make the splashy moves. That is what the Dodgers are doing right now. So what you're seeing here is a couple different arm slots. You're seeing a left-handed leg kick. Kind of has a a, a Clayton Kershaw type. Look at that curveball right there. That hook is nasty. So you saw his curveball. Now you've seen his slider. You've also seen his fastball. You've seen a couple of different leg kicks, a couple of different arm angles, and then look at him walk off the field. That is a big, big dude. Look at that big hook right there. That's a, There's a, another hook. So this is – and there's a fastball, that four-seam up in the zone. There's another four-seam up in the zone. So you can see there's another one. This is a very, very, very talented young man that the Dodgers like – like Austin said, it's unbelievable that they got this guy plus cash for a guy that they were going to lose for nothing. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing that the Dodgers can pull these deals off. It's amazing to me. 
Yeah, and I, th- I think that also speaks to the talent that Brian Hudson has, too, because I'm sure no there doubt. was some sort of bidding war for Good Brian point. Hudson, too. And I think this they the Milwaukee Brewers had to give up something in order to get him because I think other teams were trying to get Brian Hudson as well, which just goes to show you the level of talent on the 40-man roster. If there's a bidding war, if the Brewers were able to give up this for the Dodgers who – they, if they had to remove somebody, they were going to get rid of Brian Hudson. Just shows you the level of talent on this 40-man roster right now. Yeah, and you might say, well, why in the world would the Brewers trade away a guy like Justin Chambers and cash for a guy that they could have just got on waivers, right? I mean, he was going to he was going to go to the waiver wire, and then everybody was going to get to choose. So the way waivers works is the, the team that, that was – they go from the back to the forward so that the team in the back, you can make a claim, a waiver's claim on a guy, but then if like the the, the team that's that's behind you, you know, that because it goes in, in reverse order in terms of the way that, that teams finished the, the last year. So a team might come in and swoop him and get him and swoop in and get him after you have claimed him uh, or made a, made a claim on waivers for, the, for that player. So the reason why you trade for the guy is, is that he doesn't make it all the way to the waiver wire. You guarantee to get the guy and, and somebody that, that is in the, the, the drafting order, I guess is what you'd say, on the waiver wire, can't come in behind you and get him. So Milwaukee obviously prioritized Hudson. He's a, a lefty that's 6'8", great extension, and now has major league experience. They didn't go get him not to make him a major leaguer. You don't give up a guy like Justin Chambers like they did if you don't think that Brian or, uh, yeah, I said it, yeah, <laughs> Daniel Brian Hudson messing me up. If you don't think that Brian Hudson is going to be a major leaguer for you. So, hey, congratulations to Brian Hudson. I told you when this first happened, it, it kind of seems like, oh, man, you'd be bummed out about it. But I told you, okay, this was good news for Brian Hudson. This was exciting for him because we told you he was going to get picked up. We told you that that he was be and when he did get picked up, he was going to be in a better situation that gave him a better chance to make the major leagues. And we really thought he would get traded for just like he did. So this is a win-win all around. So super excited about that situation. Okay, Jason Soretti says, Good evening, guys. Thank you so much for joining, Jason. We already have a wonderful, wonderful lobby here at Dodgers Daily every Sunday. Wednesday and Friday. I believe you're still seeing video of, let me make sure. Yeah, you're still seeing video of the young Justin Chambers. I'm going to move it back to us right now, Austin, as we get back to a lot of our comments here. Yang Yi, happy Dodgers New Year. Hey, I was talking to DMAC the other day. As a matter of fact, I, I communicated with Justin the, about, about 10 minutes after that this all came down and congratulated him. He actually communicated back, said he's very excited about that. About five minutes later, communicated with Doug McCain, and he was kind of sarcastic when he said, hey, what the hell is taking the Dodgers so long making their next move, right? Because this has been an epic offseason. Yeah, it's been a very epic offseason. Right now, the Dodgers have addressed their needs. They're in a position to be strategic about addressing their wants, which is something that we've warmed about. I think it's okay to be patient, to take a step back, to realize that you've done some amazing work right now. The job is not finished, but you can make smart moves. You don't have to rush and overpay for a decision right now, which is the position that the Dodgers are currently at as 
a lot of the big trade, big free agent pieces still have yet to fall. There's still a lot of things that have to be decided to get the ball rolling. It seems like free agency has rolled to a complete stop yeah. right now. Part of that is the holidays, and but that will get picked up. The Dodgers will make another move at some point. I am very confident in saying that. Uh, it's just a matter of time. So just be patient. This offseason has been so awesome already. I think it's going to get even better. You just have to wait just a minute. So the hottest news as of the Dodgers goes, I would have to say as of today, would be Shane Bieber on the pitching front and then Teoscar Hernandez on the outfield front. As you said, Austin, the Dodgers, because they got their number one starters with Yamamoto and Glass now because they got Otani, that put them back into a want Instead of a need, which means now they can be picky. Now they they don't have to go out and overpay. So be patient with this. Teoscar Hernandez, a guy that he not only does he strike out quite a bit, he also then doesn't walk very much. That's not the Dodgers formula. That would definitely be outside the box for the Dodgers to take a Teoscar Hernandez because he doesn't necessarily fit the formula. Other than the fact that he does hit some home runs. So He's he's a guy that the Dodgers are kind of keeping on the radar, if you will. And I think they would pull the trigger in some scenarios, but I don't think it's a trigger that they're going to pull unless they feel like it's, you know, hey, we have to pull this because we don't have anything better. They're going to keep continuing to scope the situation, see what guys become available, and then they might not. And as you said a couple of times, they might just wait until the trade deadline and see if one of their higher targets – becomes available the guys that that you know an anthony santander or a a uh, randy rosarena becomes a trade piece that that their clubs are willing to get rid of a little bit later down the line so i think teoscar hernandez he's still on the burner he's on the back burner that I'm, I'm not saying the dodgers won't do that also i think shane bieber that's an interesting one. Uh, I mean, I think there's some smoke there. I don't think there's a whole lot of fire. It just doesn't seem to me either like the Dylan Cease news ever goes the Dodgers' way. So I, I think the Dod- there, there's, there are some, some talks out there, but again, the Dodgers are in a position to be patient. Yeah, they're in a position to be patient. Now addressing Teoscar Hernandez first, as you mentioned, uh, with him, I think his market right now is more leaning instead of closer to a one-year deal. I think it's very more likely that he gets a four-year deal. Yeah. I think you're talking about four years, talking about probably 15 plus million per year. If it's that price range, I think it's very likely that it's probably out of the Dodgers price range for an outfielder right now. And I think with these outfield targets, if, if you look at the free agency and I'm looking right now, I like a Teoscar Hernandez in an Adam Duvall versus a guy like a Tommy Pham. I think the question that you have to ask yourself is what do you want most from your outfielder? Are you looking for a right-handed batter that has a lot of pop. If so, then you're looking for a Teoscar Hernandez. You're looking for an Adam Duvall. If you're looking for that guy who can hit that home run in that big situation, who can come up clutch, I think that's what you're looking for. If you want a little bit more of a balanced player, you want a guy who's not who's going to get some walks. You're looking for a guy who strikes out not at an absorbent length, doesn't strike out too terribly often and still has a little bit of pop in his bat. I think that leans a little bit more into a Tommy Pham like yeah. camp. And I think that 
at least from my hitting strategy, I like I want guys to be able to draw walks. I think and limit some of the strikeouts. I just think that creates a little bit of a higher floor for a lot of these players, and more as consistency. To the, a little bit more consistency, which I think the Dodgers lacked at times last year. And so I would lean a little bit, honestly, more towards the Tommy Pham over the Adam Duvall, Teoscar Hernandez, even though I think the Dodgers could use some pop a little bit from the right-handed side. We know that there's a lot of pop with Shohei, with with Max Muncie, with Freddie Freeman on the left side. If your argument is that they need some pop from the right-handed side, those are your two guys to get. If you want a little bit more of a balanced approach, I would lean towards Tommy Pham, who you, I think you could get on a one-year type deal if you're not able to get like an Anthony Santander or a Randy Rosarena in some type of trade. That's kind of where I'm leaning as far as the outfielder situation. I could be convinced some other convinced otherwise. I'm not totally in love with that idea. Tommy Fan obviously is getting up there in age as with a lot of these other outfield prospects. With the pitching situation right now, I think the pitching market is insanely hot. And yeah. this is something that we saw last season as well. There's been a lot of injuries to pitchers, which means the value of a starting pitcher and the value of innings is has never really been higher. You're getting seeing guys get really good really long-term deals that can pitch a lot of innings or you're seeing them get just an insane amount of monetary value for innings and so i think if you look at the pitching market i think what's the attractive feature about shane bieber is you would be able to trade for a guy who has one year of control where you have a little bit of flexibility to be able to bring up some of the younger guys. And if one of those guys stick or a couple of those guys stick, you'd be able to transition them into the starting rotation next year, as opposed to the free agent market, who you might be able to sign maybe a Sean Manai or Hunjin Ryu, some of those guys maybe to a one-year deal. That could be an option that you have, um, but you don't necessarily know because of the starting pitching market is hot right now. And so I think that's the attractive feature about Shane Bieber. Also, you're very likely going to have to make some sort of trade either for a starting pitcher or an outfielder just to make room on this roster right now to add additional players. The roster is at 40 players right now, so you likely have to make a trade. Otherwise, you're going to have to designate guys for assignment. Who are you going to do that to on this roster right now? I don't see anybody that you would feel comfortable designating for assignment. We talked about this on a show about a month ago about designated for assignment options. And Brian Hudson was the one guy that we could kind of identify. There's not a guy right now. Shane Bieber will be a one-year Yes, he would be a one-year rental. He's had a lot of success before, and he would open up avenues to add additional talent like a Tommy Pham or like a Teoscar Hernandez, Adam Duvall on your team. I think you're going to have to make some sort of trade at some point. The Dodgers have to figure out who the right person is right now, though. No doubt about that. So lots and lots and lots out there. Keep in mind the Dodgers don't have to do anything. They can re-sign Clayton Kershaw. They're going to re-sign Clayton Kershaw. They're, mark that down. That was the that was the hot take of the day from Doug McCain whenever he came and joined on Dodgers Daily. Doug is 100% correct about that. He has to sign with the Dodgers. First of all, they're going to be able to offer him a role that he can actually make beneficial. 
And second of all, man, I mean, when you're that competitive, you don't want your last outing in a Dodger uniform, as wonderful as he's been, first ballot Hall of Famer, to be your worst outing ever as a Dodger. You just don't want that. Plus, he's so close to the strikeout record and all that. I just don't see any scenario where Clayton Kershaw doesn't get re-signed, so throw him in the mix as well. So really, from a pitching perspective, I'm in the camp at this point. You don't need to go do anything. I've said the innings eater at the back. I was thinking Lucas Giolito because I was thinking Lucas Giolito would sign that one-year type of contract for about 10 to maybe $15 million and be a perfect type of guy from that perspective. At this point, I'm all about let's give Emmett Sheehan, let's give Kyle Hurt, let's give Nick Frosso, let's give Landon Knack, let's give Gavin Stone, Michael Grove, River Ryan. Let's give all these innings to those guys. And let's not even give Doc or the organization the ability to put a veteran like a, you know, like a uh, somebody that would go get at this point that would be a reclamation veteran in instead of them. Let's get the adjustment phase going for those guys and let's get after it. Let's let them eat the innings. And then if that's not working out and you feel like you need to go, Pat, remember you're going to have Yamamoto, Glass now, you're going to have Bobby Miller. And then Clayton Kershaw, if you feel like you need more than that in the playoffs, then go out and get somebody. But I don't think you will, plus Emmett Sheehan, that kind of deal. So I, I'm kind of on the, hey, let's, let's cool it on the pitching deal. If somebody falls in your lap and it works out perfectly as far as the structure of the contract in terms of the years and the money, great. But be very, 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 very picky at this point. Plus, you're also going to get Dustin May back this year. I am still on the bandwagon of Michael Bush. You need to figure his situation out. You need to figure out the Miguel Vargas situation. You have pitching depth that you really need to move because just do the math. I mean, you have all these pitching prospects, and you only have a certain amount of innings to give. Some of these guys aren't going to get the amount of work that they deserve, and like Landon Knack's case, he's already 26 years old. So I am big on the bandwagon still of putting – all of your eggs and getting a left fielder basket. Yeah, I, I think that is a really good idea. And I think that's totally reasonable to say, let's give a lot of these innings. We need to fill 800, 900 innings. We know a lot of the frontline starting pitchers that we have are going to fill a lot of those innings. Let's give a lot of the innings to the younger guys because think about it. Think about how valuable it was to have Bobby Miller and James Altman come up and make an impact on this team. I think that is something that is very easily forgotten that this time last year, they were not given a primary role on this Los Angeles Dodgers team. And how valuable those guys are and how valuable those contracts are create the flexibility to go get a Yoshinobu Yamamoto, to go get another top guy. So I think at some point you're going to have to give some of these younger guys the ability and opportunity to be able to prove themselves at the big league level. I think what shines some Dodger fans away is some of the guys did get opportunities this past season. They did get a little bit of work. Some of the outings went really, really good. Some of the outings didn't. And so there's a little bit of uncertainty as far as the floor of a lot of these guys in a year that you have to win the World Series. Remember, I think this Dodgers team is good enough to win 95, 100 games with the roster as constructed today. 
It's about winning in the postseasons. You have to prepare for the postseason and you have to prepare for the future as well. So I think with the Dodgers, I think they have to be strategic as far as who they target for the starting pitcher. It could be something where you look out and a good starting pitcher that can be there for years to come, like a Lazardo, like a Dylan Seas, could be available on the trade market. And he's too valuable to pass up. And the deal that you're yes, able to get correct. is a good deal. That could be something that you still do and you might feel like you have to do, especially with Walkie Bueller potentially not going to start the season in the rotation. They might delay his start to make sure that he is ready for the postseason as well. Perhaps you feel uncomfortable with the, a lot of the younger guys, especially if you need closer to a six-man rotation to fill in those innings. So you'd want just one more guy. I think that is totally reasonable reasonable to take to have but also understand that these young guys that we have are extremely talented there's a reason why these guys are on the 40 men there's a reason why these guys are so highly talked of because they have a ton of talent and they are only going to be able to prove that talent if they are given an opportunity at the big league level whether that be with the dodgers or whether that be with another organization so I, you have to you have to save some of them to make sure that you're going to get through the season with enough innings and their opportunities will come. Even if they don't have a strategic role right now, we saw all of the injuries that happened to the Dodgers last season. Guys got opportunities very quickly. And so there will be an opportunity for some of these guys at some point, but you also have to be strategic as far as how you want to make sure that they are getting those opportunities and that you're building the best roster available for you. So if you can find a left fielder through trade, go ahead and do that if it significantly upgrades your team. If you find another starting pitcher that is going to help, or even just fill innings, even if it's just a one-year deal, which I'd prefer a one-year deal, or get another top end of the rotation type piece, if either one of those opportunities arises, then you can go ahead and make some sort of move like that. Dodgers have a lot of options right now. I think they need to give at least some of these young guys opportunities because I think that creates flexibility on your roster going forward. If you have younger guys stepping up, those contracts are incredibly valuable for an organization. Think how valuable James Elman and Bobby Miller's contracts are right now. They are extremely valuable. They have a ton of talent too. It's about giving them those opportunities. And I think with the talent the Dodgers roster has, they can afford to give these younger guys opportunities. So I think that is a totally reasonable position to be in right now to say we don't have to do anything, but we can do some stuff if the opportunity presents itself. Another thing you could do is you could also put Andy Pajas in left field or you know, you could stay in-house with that or put Chris Taylor out there, that kind of deal. So the Dodgers are in a great spot right now, man. They got very aggressive early on, and they put themselves in this great spot so they can kind of cruise to the finish line into this, as far as spring training goes and feel very comfortable about it. And don't forget also, you're going to put some guys on the 60-man or on the 60-day IL whenever spring tra- the pitchers and catchers report. That's going to open up a couple of spots I think the Dodgers can get can get a little bit more aggressive there. Okay, 300GJW says, is that a Great Lakes Loons hat, Austin? You are absolutely right. This is a Great Lakes Loons hat. This is one of the many great hats that they have available at loons.milbstore.com or by calling 99837-BALL. 
have to do a little bit of a shout out to the Great Lakes Loons yep. there. Yeah. No, I, I wear a Great Lakes Loons hat just about every time we go live. Okay, Yong Yi, thank you for joining Yong. It says, so Dodgers are number three rotation after the Braves and Phillies? What do you think, Austin? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, that was posted, I don't know, somewhere on Twitter. Somebody was doing a ranking as far as the rotations for the Dodgers right now. Um, that would be somewhere, I mean, towards the top half of the rotation list, just with the, I mean, you talk about the top four right now being Yamamoto, you're talking about Bobby Miller, you're talking about Walker Bueller, you're talking about Tyler Glass now being your top four right now. That is incredibly talented. And then you just add in some of the other guys that can Emmett Sheehan. Dodgers have a very, very incredible rotation. I'm not big on comparing it to other teams' rotations or being mad and like, why aren't we number one? I say go prove that you're number one with the play that you have on the field. I think the Dodgers, with the pitchers that they have in the rotation, can and will do that this season. Yep, and Young says that will change once the Dodgers get one decent starting pitcher adds to the back end. Like if you went and got a Bieber or something like that, especially if you went and got a Lazardo or a Dylan Cease, definitely, then you move probably to number one at that point. Yeah, that, and that that just comes with the past history that a lot of these other guys have had. We'll see what how it actually shapes out as far as the starting rotations, but certainly the Dodgers are in a much better position today than what they were even two months ago following the season. Jason Soretti, thank you so much for joining Jason. Jason says, would like to talk about the 40-man and when some of these prospects need to make their way on and how it plays into trades. So the 40-man right now, the only one that I think is imminent as far as making his – well, no, there's three. There's three pitchers in the organization right now that I think will make their major league debuts this year that aren't on the 40-man at this point. River Ryan, Alec Gamboa, John Rooney. I think all three of those pitchers are going to make their major league debut. It will come as somebody gets hurt. Or maybe you make a trade, something like that. Or whenever you, you clear spots on the 40-man because you have guys like like Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, they can put on the IL. You open up spots from that perspective. So I think those three guys are going to make their Major League debut this year that aren't on the 40-man. So if you're looking at trading away some of these guys, some of the guys that are on the 40-man that might be blocked, would be Nick Frasso, Landon Knack, uh, maybe Michael Grove. Uh, who else? Maybe maybe an Andy Pies. Well, Andy Pies isn't necessarily blocked. Who else could you think that's on the 40-man right now that would be in a trade package, Austin, that you would feel comfortable I mean, if you were the Dodgers giving away? I mean, right now you're talking about guys like Miguel Vargas, Michael Bush, yeah. who don't have a primary role on the major league organization. Maybe a Diego Cartaya, who's still a year away if you need to open up a roster spot and you want to go ahead and trade him off because of the catching depth that you have in the organization. Right now, the Rule 5 draft, which happens every December, has already taken place. That is the time when organizations before that want to add players onto their 40-man rosters so they aren't stolen by other organizations. So right now, the Dodgers aren't in a place to where they have to 
add talent to their 40-man roster unless they are going to call them up to the big leagues. This is something that happened to Kyle Hurt at the end of the previous end of last season, where they want they knew that they were going to add him to the 40-man roster to protect him. They wanted to give him an opportunity to pitch in Los Angeles, and so they added him towards the end of last season. Right now, the Dodgers aren't in a, in a position to where they have to add prospects because they are part of their organization right now. They will be. When you go to the end of the season, you're talking about early to mid-November. That is the process when the guys who will be eligible for the next Rule 5 draft uh, will have to be added to the 40-man roster. So you're talking about guys like River Ryan, I believe, Austin Gothier is on that. Guys on that level who will still be a part of the organization next year will have to be added if they don't want other teams to steal them. But that doesn't mean that they can't add them throughout the season if they want to call them up, add them to the 40-man roster. So right now, it's not a pressing need. What's more of a pressing need is there is a 40-man roster crunch Mm -hmm. right now, meaning that it is a very valuable, those 40-man roster spots, especially if the Dodgers want to add talent. They're going to have to find a way to get rid or trim some of the talent on this 40-man roster. And I don't think that's going to come through releasing somebody. I think that's going to come through the trade market because of how valuable each one of these guys are and how good these guys are. So if they want to add talent, they're likely going to have to trade something away. That's when the 40-man roster right now gets a little bit interesting. No doubt about that. You've seen Landon Knack. You've seen Nick Frosso. You've seen River Ryan. Also, Kyle Hurt. Hey, super exciting. While we got people on the horn here and watching, going to release our Top 10 Prospects show tomorrow night. It's the MLB Pipeline Dodgers Top 10 Prospects. Austin and I sat down and hammered that show out. We are going to go live with that show tomorrow night. We are going to be live in the chat talking about that show. So come back at, at 6 o'clock Pacific tomorrow night. It's about an hour-long show. We will chat all about it. Super excited about that show tomorrow night just wanted to remind you to come on over for that live show i don't know if you can make it tomorrow night austin but i will be in the chat so hey wanted to thank mike our residential catcher wrote a wonderful story on some actually he's written two stories on on some of our our, our newest members to the dodgers nabil chris matt austin beck and and uh, i can't ever remember the the, the international player I, i'll get his name here in just a second yeah. Do you remember his name, Austin? I can't ever remember his I, name. I, I don't I don't remember his name after the top of my He's head. on the JLB no. there. And Austin, you have a comment here in the comment section from Jay congratulating you on such a wonderful article on Austin Gothier. As a matter of fact, I'm going to get that up and I'm going to post that link. And I am going to actually pin that to the top of this chat because that article was filled full of great information. And probably the best part of that, as I try to, as I try to effort to get this, the greatest part of that article, Austin, is how you related it to. Okay, well, this, this, the the, the players that have these type of statistics, here's the percentages of them becoming major leaguers, and then after they become major leaguers, when they have these statistics, here's the percentage of guys that actually become all stars. That's what was so impressive about that article, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a very fun article to write. And if you guys aren't aware of it, I was able to write an article about Austin Gothier. Now, some of you who might be watching right now 
have never heard of who Austin Gauthier is. He's not a very highly thought of prospect, at least community-wise, especially going into the season within the Dodgers organization. He's starting to get some steam. You can see him added to the back of the top 30 list. You can see him get honorable mentions on some of these Dodgers' top prospects, and there's a very good reason because this past season he had a intense season of plate discipline and production on a level that is rarely seen in the minor leagues. He did something that only 20 other minor league players have done since 2006. He had 500 plate appearances. He had a walks divided by strikeouts of one or greater, meaning he had more walks and strikeouts, and he had a 150 WRC+. There's only 21 players that are on that list that can claim that. Austin Gothier is one of them. So I did a little bit further research onto that and found out actually something really interesting about the 400 plate appearance, 150 WRC plus club, in which case 75% of those players become big leaguers, or at least in the sample that I found from 2006 to 2022. And of those players that make the big leagues, 25% become all-stars well above average if you are part of those categories even if you just have one season of 150 wrc plus and i think the exciting thing about that is it isn't just austin gothier who has that category it is also tyrone lorenzo yeah it is also michael bush who has already made his big leagues and it is also andy pahes There are four guys within this organization who can make that claim. With Austin Gauthier, you're talking about a very high floor, high probability big leaguer. There is a lot to be excited about, and that shows the depth of this organization. And so the article goes into depth on a lot of those pieces. I highly recommend that you take a look at it and just go through some of the thought process that I have, kind of exploring this through a data analytical side it was a lot of fun piece it was a very fun piece to write and just shows you how good of a season austin gothier has and the level of depth that this organization has paying attention to the margins acquiring and developing talent throughout the organization not just the guys on the top of the list is very very important austin gothier one of those guys who next season could be spend a majority of season in AAA is just one call up away from being the big leagues, in which case I see him as a very likely big leaguer. And with the tools, with the plate discipline that he has, I believe he can stick at the big leagues as well. This article goes into that very fun piece to write. Yep. So I appreciate all the support that it's gotten. Got the article linked in the chat. I will pin it here in a second. Let me pin that right now. Pinned that message to the top. So if you want to check out that article that Austin wrote on Austin Gothier, it is simply fantastic. It is it is it is worth your time to go check that out. No doubt about it. It is a little bit of a longer article, I will just warn you, but it's good. There's a good reason for that. Yep. James Gotcher, thank you so much for joining James. I've been a Dodgers fan since nineteen fifty seven. The last time I was this excited about the season was nineteen sixty three. Let's bring it on. Yeah, man, this is a pretty exciting, pretty exciting. I mean, I think everybody's ready to get this thing going with Otani as far as being the DH and then 
all the additions you had pitching-wise. Dodgers fans are super hungry for a World Series championship in a full season. So, you, you know, all the people are saying, well, 2020, it was a shortened season, no fan, not very many fans, that kind of deal. Get that taste out of your mouth, too, and get the ball rolling. Uh, the one thing I am the most just kind of excited about, giddy about, get that first one because I feel like the Dodgers can get that first World Series championship and get that lid off. I think they're going to get multiple. Yeah, I think it, once the first one happens, that just starts to roll the ball and you start to learn how to win that. And that experience really does go a long way with helping you with that. So I think everybody, especially as the year has turned over for, from 2023 to 2024, everybody is starting to get that feeling, starting to get that excitement with the moves that the Dodgers have made and with the level of talent that they have. I think they're, we're starting to get a little bit sick of the winter feeling and want to get a little taste of that spring spring training will be coming in about a month two months or so uh and they can't come soon enough right now yep king yellowman says not doubting he can hit better than most of our guys in the playoffs okay so yang yi says sasaki means no bueller i i think it's leaning that way I, i've heard a couple of people to, i know mike said that the other day on one of her hot takes it'll be interesting to see of course, if Bueller has a really good year, he's going to be very valuable. So I, I do think it's either Sasaki or Bueller. I don't think it's both. It's going to be very tough to get both. Now, with Sasaki, I believe, at least in the first couple of years, you could get him for fairly cheap. I don't know if what that process looks like as far as the international free agent. I think you'd perhaps follow a line, the lines with a Shohei Otani instead of coming over like Yoshinobu Yamamoto, get a big contract right away. So there might be a little bit of room to potentially do both. But you're starting to really crowd that rotation. Walker Buehler, if he comes back healthy, if he pitches to the level and degree that he does, he's going to demand a really big contract. He's going to be expensive, and you have to prioritize where you are putting your resources. So Sasaki could be a replacement for Buehler. I think it is unlikely that both of them are on the Dodgers if you're hedging your bets. But I don't think it's impossible. I just think it's more likely that if the Dodgers decide to get Sasaki, Bueller likely goes and makes a ton of money somewhere else. Remember, you're getting Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, and Otani back next year, too. So, Dustin yes. May probably sometime this year. So, if you're talking about getting Otani, Dustin May, uh, Tony Gonsolin, rookie Sasaki, and keeping Walker Bueller, then what do you do with Bobby Miller? What do you do with Yamamoto? What do you do with Glass now? And then all these younger guys. So, the numbers crunch would say that that it's going to be either Bueller or Sasaki, or uh, I think there's a better chance of getting of having neither of them than there is both of them. I think the numbers crunch would say that. And also, I think it's a little premature of a conversation because I think it's going to have a lot to do with how Emmett Sheehan does. If Emmett Sheehan comes out and does as well as Bobby Miller did last year, this year, and, and he gets in that trust tree for the Dodgers, then you don't have to go get a Sasaki because you already have a guy in Emmett Sheehan with his type of extension, his type of explosive fastball that can also reach almost 100 miles an hour, and you have him on a very team-friendly, controllable contract. So the, if Emmett Sheehan comes out and pitches the way that he's capable of this year and does really well, then that makes you need Sasaki 
way, way less or Bueller next year. So there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. It's definitely very fluid. So some great. Yeah, co- I will. I will I will say the best case scenario for the Dodgers right now, Emmett Sheehan breaks out. They go get Sasaki. Both of them would be cheap next season. They can use those resources elsewhere as opposed to using them on Bueller. Yep. That would be the best case scenario. Obviously, it would suck losing Walker Bueller, but you would be getting two dynamic, powerful pitchers for a cheap cost, in which case you can address needs and build a juggernaut for other areas. You could get a star outfielder if you're needing one of those. You could address that elsewhere. We're still a year away. It's still a lot of dominoes have to fall. We'll see what happens. Yeah, Greg Bacon, thank you so much for joining Greg every Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. Certainly appreciate you joining. Certainly appreciate the chat. And remember, hey, this is you guys' show. We have our prospect top 10 prospects show coming out tomorrow night. We've had a lot of prospect coverage already. We're going to throw out there three ta- three hot takes a week. Going to talk to Dave Anderson, the Loons pitching coach, about all the Loons pitchers here coming up shortly. Also uh, going to talk to, to Taylor Young. So lots of prospect coverage. So when we do these live shows, we want these to be your shows. We want to get to all of – sometimes I get long-winded. I apologize for that. That's probably my biggest weakness. I like to talk. I have a lot of things to say, and I'm very passionate about the Dodgers. But sometimes it gets in the way of, of reading these comments like we need to. So I, this is your show. So, hey, let's light up the comment board. We've had a wonderful lobby to this point. Greg Bacon says, I'm hoping the Dodgers sign Teoscar Hernandez on a team-friendly contract. My opinion – Teoscar Hernandez's contract is not going to be nearly as team-friendly as the Dodgers are going to want in terms of the way that they evaluate how valuable he is. Yeah, I I think that's going to be tough right now because I think – if you look at this free agent class, it's a little bit of weaker, especially on the position player side, which means certain talents are going to be a little bit overpaid just because there's limited options out there. And especially if you don't want to go to the degree of a Cody Bellinger, you might take a step back and go get a Teoscar Hernandez, who's maybe a little bit of a step down production-wise and significantly of a step down price-wise than a Cody Bellinger. So I think that's there's a lot of competition for a Teoscar Hernandez, which is just going to dri- drive up the price. I think if you were to get him on a team-friendly deal, that would be a good thing for the Dodgers. He would provide a lot of power. He'd hit for a lot of home runs. He probably would come up clutch in some very important situations. Right now, I see that as a less and less likely thing that could happen, although I will not rule that out completely at all. I think he is still a possibility for the Dodgers. He certainly would help and fill a role for this team being a right-handed power outfield bat, which is something the Dodgers seem to be wanting to address. Yep. Again, he would be out of the box for the Dodgers because he doesn't walk a lot. The Dodgers don't mind you striking out a lot like Max Muncy as long as you walk a whole lot and get on base from that perspective of which Max Muncy does. So it would definitely be an out-of-the-box type of the reason why I say I think his contract is going to be more than what the Dodgers are going to want to pay is because I, I think they would take Teoscar Hernandez if like he was the last option, but only if it was very, very, very team-friendly. And because of the reasons you just mentioned, Austin, because there's not a whole lot of competition for position players in the free agency market, I don't think that's going to happen. 
I could be wrong. That's just my take on it. We will see how that goes. Jay says, Chambers signed for well over slot, fourth-round money. Yeah, this Chambers guy, I'm telling you, the Dodgers pulled a rabbit out of their hat getting Chambers for Brian Hudson. And it's not because Chambers is necessarily better than Brian Hudson and any of that. It's because, again, you were going to lose Brian Hudson to free agency or somebody was going to pick him up in on the waiver wire. One or the other, The dot, there was no scenario whatsoever that Brian Hudson was going to clear waivers and then accept an assignment back with AAA Oklahoma City. That was never in the cards. We told you that wasn't going to happen. The Dodgers were absolutely going to lose him. So to get a young I – know, I know he's coming off of Tommy John. But to get such a big, young, left-handed pitcher with the off-speed that, that Chambers had, the Dodgers absolutely pulled a rabbit out of their hat. Yeah, they sure did. They got a really talented guy who's going to fit in at the lower levels of the minor league system. It's important to pay attention to every aspect of your organization. This is Dodgers doing their due diligence and getting a really good, talented pitcher who's going to fit into this organization who could turn into something really good. You mentioned him signing for well above slot value for the 20th round, more closer to the fourth round level, shows you the type of talent that Justin Chambers has. He's going to take a little bit of a while to grow and develop, but I think he has the opportunity to be able to prove himself. Dodgers continue to show why they are a great and winning organization. No doubt about that. So some great comments. Good, We're going all down the list. Again, we want this to be about you. And all of your comments. Yang Yi says, let's do another trade with the Brewers. Yeah, Roy says, good good evening to Ila Shiva. Ila Shiva, yeah, he's, uh, one of our wonderful Dodgers dailies, as I like to call them. We have great support here. Jay says, Washington State is my understanding. Arizona High School, Washington State commit. Uh, we'll do a little bit more research into Chambers. I have had a chance, like I said, to communicate with him. I might, as he kind of gets things wind down and gets into the Dodgers system, communicate with them a little bit more and get a little bit more details on him. Might even write a story on him. Might ask him to come on for an interview. We'll see. We'll get a little bit more on him. We'll see. All right, Elisheva likes your cap, Austin. Yeah, this is uh, the Great Lakes Loon's home home cap, which I think we've had a couple of comments about it. Yeah, no, it is a very nice hat, and it would look very nice on every one of our audience, too. Yep, no doubt. Okay, and we're getting Dodgers Daily Caps, two trucker hats. And if you want one, just let me know. I can order you one. Roy says, I thought because Hudson was DFA'd multiple times, he could have chosen free agency. That is 100% correct. But that's only if he would have cleared waivers. So the Dodgers had a seven-day window to trade him. Then he went into the waiver wire. All the teams in reverse order would have had a chance to pick him up at the waiver wire. If nobody did at that point, then he would have what's called cleared waivers. Then at that point, he has two options. If you've been DFA'd before, then you can choose free agency or accept the minor league assignment. So Hudson, yes, he could have he could have chosen free agency, but not until he cleared the waiver wire, of which was something that was never ever going to happen because he has major league experience. Number one, number two, he's left-handed. Number three, six foot eight with this kind of extension. So Golf Gamer says, Dodgers playing chess while everybody playing checkers. I trust the front office to get things done. Yeah, man. They've been absolutely brilliant so far this offseason, no doubt about it. 
Yeah, and their track record seems to indicate that you should trust them with the decisions that they make, with the player talent that they have, with the coaching and development staff that they have. They have a really good system in place right now. And right now, they've made a lot of really good moves, especially this offseason. There's good reason to trust this front office right now. What do you think about Harrison Bader? I know I, I watched Eddie Days, one of my best friends in the world. is He played for the Cardinals forever, and he's a big Cardinals fan, watches all their games. He liked Harrison Bader. I wasn't big on his offense. I thought he was elite defensively. He kind of reminds me of Kike Hernandez. I don't know. What do you think about Bader? Yeah, no, with Bader, he would be more of a defensive get. And so if you're looking for defense in the outfield, which I believe Bader's played a lot of center field type yes. in his career, um, which obviously Dodgers have James Altman right here. So they would have to decide either move Altman to left or right or move Bader to left or right. Uh, they would have to make some sort of decision. With Bader, you're getting more of the defensive value out of him as opposed to the offensive value. Hasn't been an incredible offensive force throughout his career. He's had some solid, decent seasons. Last year wasn't great. You're talking about a 70 WRC+. plus, Not a ton of power. It's maybe at best about 15 home run type power. Last season, and you can see this over the course the past couple of years the walks going down a little bit so Harrison Bader it, he could be an option if you're looking for defense I think right now the Dodgers would prioritize more of an offensive type player mm -hmm. they have Jason Hayward who's a solid outfielder Manuel Margot although last season was a little bit of a dip defensively for him I think could be better utilized as a defensive outfielder if you're talking about the late innings I think he could fill into left field and play really solid defense and then you're talking about Altman Hayward and Margot in the outfield I don't think there's a huge need for a defensive first outfielder yeah. I think I would much rather get more of a bat first type outfielder even though the DH position is going to be closed by Shohei Otani. I think you get a bat first. That can be serviceable enough in the outfield and left field. I think that would be the way that I would lean towards. Harrison Bader would be an option, though. I just want to lean that way right now. Yeah, Man uh, Manuel Margot is better than Harrison Bader. So if you're looking at getting Harrison Bader, I would just throw Manny Margot out there. You already have him. Just looking at war statistics for outfielders, a little bit above two at average. Okay, so he was a one. He was a one more last year, one point four in twenty twenty two. Now twenty twenty one, he had a good year, three point two. But if you look at his WRC plus numbers, okay, eighty five in twenty twenty two, and seventy last year. So he was fifteen percent below league average in twenty twenty two, and he was thirty percent below average last year. Last year was just not at all a good offensive year for him. So I, I don't think – that's a good idea. I think Harrison Bader, like I said, could bring you some good defense. And, and he has major league experience, you know. So I think if you do go get a guy like that, it's like plan C or plan D. And I think it would be later on in the season, maybe more like, you know, like a trade deadline type of deal. But, yeah, great comments there. So those are our thoughts yeah, on – yeah, I think Harrison Bader would like a major league deal. If you were to get a guy like that type on a minor league deal and have him play, give him some time 
maybe an Oklahoma City. That could be an option, although you do have some guys. You're going to have Pajes. You're going to have Drew Avins. You're going to have Ryan Ward. The outfield in Oklahoma Jose City Ramos. is going to get crowded. You're going to get Jose Ramos out there. So that might not even be the option as well. Um, that would be a possibility that you could have. Right now, I just don't see a defensive first outfielder really being a priority for the Dodgers right now. I think they're much more looking for a right-handed bat that has a little bit of thump, Mm -hmm. maybe some plate discipline as well. Yeah, Shiva says no to Tommy Pham, and I think that's because of the locker room aspect of it. I'm not real familiar with it. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with the locker room aspect of it as well. Obviously, the Dodgers have a culture that they want to cultivate, and they are very concerned and very much prioritize that. I'm just looking at a lot of the numbers and stuff, the type of player that Tommy Pham is, who is able to draw some walks, who maybe sacrifices a little bit on the power in comparison to the great powers of Teoscar Hernandez and some of the power of an Adam Duvall. I just like the higher floor that Tommy Pham has over those two aspects. Yep. Jay says Tommy Pham is better than Teoscar Hernandez. I would agree with that on the field. Pham is still dynamic and postseason track record is solid. On the field, I would totally, totally agree with that. 300 G, uh, GJW says, I'd like them to platoon Vargas and Bush if they are not trading either of them. Yeah, man, you either got to play them or trade them. And I think yeah, the best that, the best playing situation for them would be a platoon. One left-handed hitter, one right-handed. That's a good idea. Yeah, and that is an option that the Dodgers can make right now. They could say, all right, Migo Vargas, Michael Bush, we want to find some sort of way to platoon you out there. I think having 13 position players could throw a little bit of a wrench. I actually haven't dug deep into that. It might be difficult to keep both Miguel Vargas and Michael Bush on the 13 position player, the 26-man roster at the same time. That might get a little bit tricky and a little bit crowded since you already have Manuel Margot. Then you're talking about five outfielders right now. Right now, if you look at fan graphs, they aren't both projected to make it onto the 26-man roster. They have on fan graphs right now, and I don't think this is fair to him, have Michael Bush starting the season in Oklahoma City. (laughs) That might get a little bit difficult just with the roster crunch with what the Dodgers are at right now. That might be uh, something that could be if everybody stays healthy, which hopefully everybody does, be difficult to do. You have Margot, you have Rojas on the bench, you do have Austin Barnes on the bench as well. So it might be difficult to platoon them. If they ha- if they could do that, I think that is a good option that the Dodgers do have for left. These are two very talented players, even though they did struggle at the big league level last season. We've seen a lot of promise with them. Michael Bush last season had a ton of success at the minor leagues. Miguel Vargas still has a ton of talent as well. That could be an option. I just see it right now as a difficult possibility because even the 26-man roster is limited. If the Dodgers don't trade Michael Bush after all he's done in AAA over the last two seasons and in the minor leagues, if they don't trade Michael Bush only to start him on the AAA roster, that would suck, point blank. That would be a sucky situation, point blank. I don't yeah. know how else to say and, it. And you, yeah, and you would have to think about the mindset that these players and the, the – 
the message that they would send to guys within this organization. Man, I could put a 150 WRC plus through a full minor league season, even though he did get some time at the major leagues, but you're talking about more than 400 plate appearances. I can be this dominant after going back to Oklahoma City and still not get an opportunity at the big league level. When am I ever going to get, or what will I ever have to do to prove that I'm ready for the big league level? That could send a really dangerous message to a Michael Bush if he gets sent back to Oklahoma City. And so they're going to have to be careful as far as how they deal with that situation if they decide to hold on to him or if they decide to send him to an organization that's going to have a better position to play him because he deserves to get some playing time. I don't know. It's it's a tough situation because he deserves it. Just for his perspective. I mean, I know this yeah. is a business and you can't make decisions based off of sentimental emotions but still man i mean you can't you can't do that you can't make michael bush a triple a player again this year in my opinion if that is if you really feel like that's your only recourse to start him in triple a and then peck and search for spots to plug him in here and there if that's the only role you see for him you gotta trade the dude right now i don't care for who for his perspective you know, and like I said, I know you can't make decisions based on, on emotional type situations, but still, man, that's that's a crime. If if he, I'm telling you, man, if he starts in AAA, that's a crime. <laughs> it's an absolute. Yeah. And the day, hey, trust me, I'm not throwing any shade on anybody because I promise you, Brandon Gomes, Andrew Friedman, they will be saying the same thing. Travis Barbary, the AAA manager, the the day that he walks out the first game of the year at Bricktown Ballpark. And he's hitting a ground ball to Michael Bush. He's going to hit that ground ball to Michael going, man, this is a damn shame that I'm hitting this ball to you on this. They're all going to feel like that, right? But there wouldn't have been anything they can do about it at that point because they haven't traded him. So that's a situation they're monitoring. They actually have mentioned Michael Bush and how he's not a AAA player anymore. He needs major league time. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Ela Shiva says, fam does not fit in the Dodgers clubhouse and hey you mentioned it that 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 culture is very real you have to be a better player or better human being than you are player uh, jay says get jock and fam make for an exciting season yeah john Kazi says that jock ate his way out of the outfield yeah you know jock was the the minor league player of the year i believe what in like 2014 when when the dodgers were still in albuquerque they were the Dukes, I still think, back then. They might have already turned to the isotopes, and he was fantastic. I still say with Jock Peterson, that home run derby that he entered, I believe was his rookie year, I think that changed a lot of things for him. He got a lot of attention for the long ball, and I think he became just kind of drunk on the long ball, if you will. And I think from that perspective, he became quite a bit less good of a hitter, and he sold out to trying to hit home runs. I really think that home run contest – had a negative effect on Jock Peterson. It, it very well could have. You've seen a lot of guys sell out for the for exclusively the home run ball, which hitting home runs is something that is very important. It is not everything. You also have to pay ask, pay attention to the other aspects of the game. I think Jock Peterson, I don't think he's an option for the Dodgers this offseason. I think the Dodgers lineup right now is a little bit too left-handed heavy. I think they would prefer to get a right-handed bat in there. So I'm looking. So I, I think they're going to be looking for a right-handed bat as opposed to Jock Peterson. 
Dodgers are still on show to Imanaga Iganama. Hey, this is a great point by James. Imanaga has about eight days left to sign a contract, or he's going to get returned to the Nippon uh, Professional Baseball League in Japan to his team there. So they get posted for a certain amount of time. They have that amount of time to sign a contract. If they don't get a contract signed, they get sent back to their team in Japan. And the reason why it's a little bit over a week is because it takes three or four days to do your physicals, to sign all your paperwork, and to get that contract signed. So it's coming down to the nitty-gritty for Shotei Imanaga. Yeah, it's coming down really soon. Within the next week or so, I believe Shotei Imanaga is going to sign with a new team, whether that be with the Los Angeles Dodgers, which I don't know is the best decision for the Dodgers. They would sign a longer-term deal to Shota Imanaga, who's a very talented pitcher, but more fits into more of the back end of the rotation-type piece. I think regardless, with the necessity for teams to acquire arms with how valuable innings are right now, he's going to sign with some sort of team over the next week. It is getting very close to the decision time, so we'll see if the Dodgers pull the trigger with that, continue the pipeline from the very talented players from Mm -hmm. Japan, or if they decide to pass and offer or or look for a guy with a little bit more flexibility as far as the future of this rotation goes. Yeah, Hep C, good evening. Hepatitis C, you later join. Hey, thank you so much for joining Hep C. Good to see you tonight in the chat. He says most I'd give up for Bieber is Ryan Ward and Hunter Fiducia. (laughs) Ryan Ward not on the 40-man, Hunter Fiducia barely. Just made it on the 40-man this last year because he was Rule 5 eligible. I agree with you there. I don't think Shane Bieber is a – I just don't think he's a fit with the Dodgers. I don't think he's what the Dodgers need right now. I would rather just throw Emmett Sheehan. I'd rather throw Kyle Hurt. I'd rather throw Nick Frosso, Landon Knack, Gavin Stone, Michael Bush. I'd rather throw those guys. I don't think you're totally off right there with Shane Bieber. He he was a Cy Young level pitcher at one point in his career. It has tailed off a little bit. So there is a lot of concern that he is on the decline of his career. So why are we giving up a lot of prospects for one year of a pitcher on the decline of his career when we can be looking instead of at the decline, but at the ascension of careers of a lot of our younger guys work through a lot of the growing pains because you're going to have to work through some pains with a guy like a Shane Bieber as well. I think that is a very good point that you made right there. The only thing that I could think of is if the Dodgers feel like they need an additional pitcher to help fill some innings, Shane Bieber would provide some flexibility because he only is under one year of control. He does have a little bit of upside. That is the counter argument yes, to that. correct. And I, th- I think the Dodgers are in a good position to where they could, if they decided to go after him, perhaps give up instead of some of the pitching, maybe some of the positional player you talked about, like Michael Bush and Miguel Vargas. Not saying that the Dodgers should give up those guys for Shane Bieber as well, but they could look for something like more like that and trying to get a pitcher who can felt fill in the back end of their rotation. Again, not saying Shane Bieber for Miguel Vargas or Michael Bush. That would be a vast overpay for a Shane Bieber type pitcher. What what would you give up for Shane Bieber? Knowing what you have, the Dodgers have to give up, what would you give up for him? That's that's a really – I honestly don't know right now. First of all, how many guys would you give up? Maybe one type, maybe one guy. I I don't know. So Michael right Bush now, straight up for Shane Bieber. 
I would not give up that situation. Oh, really? Because I think okay. Michael Bush. I I think Michael Bush is too good. I think you could use him in a package to get a better pitcher than a Shane Bieber yep. type. So Hep C is right on the money there. Then as far as where we're at with this, and I'm I'm going to trust yep. whatever you're saying because you're a lot better at that than I am as far as that goes. So that's very interesting. Very honest take there. Great job, Hep C. Wonderful comment. Uh, thank you so much there, Austin, for your wonderful honesty there. That is simply fantastic. We're going to get to 300 GJW's comment here in a minute about Brandon Woodruff. want to talk about Gavin Stone, though. Jay asked, what adjustment do you think Gavin Stone needs to make? He made those adjustments last year. It's the cutter. He needed a pitch off of his, you know, see, his fastball, his two-seam, it, 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 he didn't throw for as many strikes as he wanted to. The cutter, what the cutter gave him was another pitch that doesn't have an incredible amount uh, of movement to it that just kind of gets it off the barrel off of his fastball. And then also the bigger part of it is it stays in the zone. So the slider for Gavin Stone was breaking out of the zone. Whenever you get a scouting report on you, I say this all the time, every level you move, the discipline of the hitters just increases monumentally. So hitters were spitting on the changeup. They would identify tunnels. This is what hitters do. They identify tunnels and then you have like, you know, you have a profile. And then if a hitter sees your changeup come out of a certain tunnel, then they know just don't swing at it. That's what happens to young pitchers. So it happened to Ryan Pepio his first time out. So hitters started seeing the tunnels that the balls were coming out with Gavin Stone and not swinging. And then if they're not swinging at that tunnel, then everything else is coming out of that same spot. Does that make sense? Like if a fastball is coming out of this tunnel, then his changeup's going to throw to that same spot, then a slider, then all that. Well, if you're throwing to that tunnel and the only pitch in that sequence that's landing in that tunnel is your fastball, <laughs> then whenever a hitter sees that tunnel, they are going to sit dead red and knock the crap out of it, then not swing any off-speed. So what he needed was he needed a strike pitch off of his tunnels that he throws strikes with. That strike pitch is the cutter. Then you they added back in the two seam. So now you can start that same tunnel with that four seam. And instead of a slider breaking out of the zone and change up breaking out of the zone, now you have a cutter staying in the zone and a two seam going to the left and a two seam going to the right out of that same tunnel. So now out of that same tunnel, instead of only having one pitch landing for a strike, now you have three. That's before you get to his changeup. And because of that, now he can use his changeup as a swing and miss pitch because hitters can't just sit on a fastball in certain tunnels because he's landing three pitches there. Now they have to swing at the changeup. That's the adjustment he made. That's where he got a lot better last year. He grinded through it. That's where I'm super excited to see he goes with this year. Super excited about it. Great question, Jay. Yeah, great question. We do a little bit of addressing this, too, in the top 10 Dodgers prospects that we are going to be releasing tomorrow night, 6 o'clock Pacific. Uh, we go into Gavin Stone. His changeup is absolutely nasty. It's about those other offerings that he is still working on tweaking, working on the tunneling. He's working on a lot of different stuff. He did make those adjustments last season. He's still working on them. He worked on them midseason, which is a tough thing to do. I believe in Gavin Stone. I think he is still a very good pitcher. I think there is still a lot of the 2022 minor league pitcher of the year, Gavin Stone, in there. And I think Gavin Stone 
with the adjustments that he made, I think it's going to play huge dividends for him coming up in 2024. Okay, so great question there, Jay. And I hope I didn't get too windy there, but I love Gavin Stone, young man out of a small town in Arkansas, which is close to me. Went to UCA, a small college. He has earned, kind of like we have here at Dodgers Daily, we talked about why we're so proud of this. We haven't had any of the major outlets back us. You know, we haven't had a Dodgers Digest or a Dodgers Nation or a Dodgers beat, any of that. This has been, Austin and I have started this from scratch, from zero, and we've done nothing but just work our ass off to build this thing up, which is why we're so proud of it. That's Gavin Stone, man. I mean, he has been told his entire life that he's too small, he's not talented enough, he's not this, he's not that. He has done nothing but use that as fuel to his fire. So as people right now doubt him, that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful because he's taking all of that in. It's pissing him off, and it's going to add fuel, just several logs to his fire, and he's going to come out blazing. I really think people are going to be excited about the adjustments he's made and how good he is going to be in 2024. When is ETA for Gonsolin? That's going to be 2025. May, I'm going to guess his return is going to be somewhere in July. Would you agree with that, Austin? I don't know when Dustin May is going to be coming back at Gonsolin. I think 2025 May would be a up benefit if you're able to get anything out of him. I would see him more as probably a short relief when he comes back just to get him in shorter stints, trying to keep him healthy if he's able to come back during this upcoming season. Do whatever they can to keep him healthy. When he's on the field, he's one of the best pitchers in the game. He has that good of stuff. The trick with him is making sure that he stays healthy. So I don't know what the Dodgers' plans for him. Gonsolin, 2025, may maybe sometime late 2024. Yep. James says is pretty confident the Dodgers are going to win more than 95 games next year. They won 100 games without Otani, Yamamoto, and Glass now. Yeah, what, the only thing I could say to that is, is that J.D. Martinez was pretty darn good at the D8. So, yes, you did get Otani, but you're also replacing a really, really good – I mean, so the margins there might be a little bit slimmer than you might think because J.D. Martinez was very good, right? And your pitching last year – uh, you look at, I mean, you don't know exactly what, what Tyler Glass now or Yamamoto is going to give you. Now, granted, I mean, on paper, it does look better from a pitching perspective. But again, you know, you did have Clayton Kershaw, who had a very good year last year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think you would have to agree that on paper, the Dodgers look like they're probably going to win 105 to 110 games. But kind of what I'm saying is, I think because of what's happened in, in the playoffs, the last couple of years, yes, you wanted to win your division. Brandon Gomes, Andrew Friedman, they made it very clear that's always going to be the goal. But, you know, with with the, the wild card, they are going to have the ability to throw in an Emmett Sheehan and, and a Nick Frasso, maybe an Andy Pajes in left field. And not they're not going to obsess about winning 100 games is what I'm saying. If they win 95 games and win the division by five games, they'll be totally happy with that. Yeah, it's one of those things where this roster has a ton of talent. You mentioned right there last year's team, which was depleted a little bit, especially on the pitching side during a lot of the season, was still able to win 100 games. What can this roster, with the amount of talent that they've added, with the best player in baseball and Shohei Otani, do right there? And so they do have a little bit of cushion, especially with the wild card. You're talking about an 84-win Diamondback team made the playoffs this past season. 
Dodgers are very much aware of that. There is some cushion for the Los Angeles Dodgers to be able to play a lot of these younger guys. And who knows, if you're able to find a guy or two, that guy becomes one of the most best value contracts on your team and create some flexibility to make some big moves. So that can be an option. Dodgers have some room to play with. They also have the trade deadline to where they can address some needs as well, whether that be bullpen, whether that be if they need another starting pitcher, whether they need another bat, whatever they need, they always have that aspect, and they certainly have the prospect capital to be able to make some sort of move then as well. Yeah, 300 GJW makes a great point. Hey, sign Woodruff to achieve two-year deal, let him rehab. We know Woodruff is fantastic. The only issue with that is, man, these 40-man roster spots are like gold for the Dodgers. I mean, we've we've talked about the crunch. I mean, River Ryan's not on the 40-man. Alec Gamboa's not on the 40-man. John Rooney's not on the 40-man. You know, so, uh, and Andy Pajes isn't on the 20. I mean, they're, and look at the talent. We've already talked about, Fangraphs already has Michael Bush starting at the AAA level on the 26-man roster, right? So, the problem with Woodruff, that's a wonderful idea. The question is, do the Dodgers have the 40-man roster space? I think the only way that they're going to have that 40-man roster space is if they go get a left fielder and make like a three-for-one trade, you know, like three guys off of your 40-man roster to trade back for one outfielder to clear up the two spots on the 40-man. Other than that, although that's a wonderful idea, I'd be all for it, I don't know that the roster space is going to be there. Yeah, roster space is a concern. And then you also talk about the conversation we had earlier as far as can Roki Sasaki and Walker Beeler be a part of this rotation. With Brandon Rodriff, he's not going to be on the roster 2024. He's going to be on the 40-man roster and then the 60-day injured list. But because he's injured right now, you'd be hoping to get him for 2025. That's when you're hoping to cash in on the value that he brings. I just don't know if there's space on the roster and room in the rotation if the Dodgers want to get Roki Sasaki, if they're still debating as far as leaving a spot open for one of the younger guys, Emmett Sheehan, or one of the other guys to be able to prove it on the roster. It becomes very limited. If you're just talking about adding talent, there's yeah, no, doubt no doubt adding yeah. Brandon Woodruff is what you want to do. And if the Dodgers decide to do that, they're getting insane talent that's going to pay off so much in 2025. You're getting pretty much another ace-level pitcher in 2025 if you decide to go get a Brandon Woodruff. That can be an option that the Dodgers do. Right now, it becomes a little bit tough, and I know other teams are probably looking for the exact same thing the Dodgers are, signing him to a two-year deal in order to get the upside of 2025. There's going to be some competition that the Dodgers have, and they're going to have to decide how far they want to go in that competition, knowing that there's going to be a roster crunch, knowing that they probably want to go after Sasaki next season or want to potentially sign Walker Buehler. Still some things to talk over with that. Walker, But Brandon Woodruff is an incredible talent. If they got them, I'd be super pumped. Yep, Hepatitis C later says, I'd rather have Woodruff take the rehab deal than Kershaw. Yeah, you know, I posed, that was my hot take today. Should the Dodgers bring back Kershaw? That was a polarizing topic. I mean, I got a bunch of... Well, yeah, why are you even asking this question anywhere from that to hell no, you can't make decisions based off of, I mean, it was just, it was exactly what it was supposed to be, a hot take, right? Like, I mean, people were emotional on both sides of it. So it was really cool just to kind of see how passionate the Dodgers fans were about Clayton Kershaw. Jay, 
I bet they don't get any other pitchers because they're going to position themselves to get Sasaki. I think we all agree that they are going to position themselves to get Sasaki or at least give themselves the best chance to get that at, at the beginning of next year. We have so much minor league depth and such great stars we can afford it and Austin. When you get into the playoffs, you might not even need your rookies again because you're looking at Yamamoto, you're looking at Tyler Glass now, you're looking at at Bobby Miller, correct? Maybe mm-hmm. a Clayton Kershaw if you bring him back, maybe a Dustin May if he comes back. So there's a good chance that you can use your rookies the entire season to get you through the season and then not really have to rely on them in the playoffs, which would, you know, which, which would be a scenario that that would lend itself to not have to go get another pitcher right now. Yeah, and that's not even throwing in their Walker Bueller, yeah, Walker in Bueller the mix yes. for the yes. for the playoff rotation as well. They do have a lot of options right so now. So hold on one so second. Can... Yeah, so Walker Bueller, Bobby Miller, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Tyler Glasnow. That's four right there. You could get through the entire playoffs with just those four pitching pitchers starting because of the way they spread the games out. And then you can play a lot of some of the more uh, guys that are playing well as far as the younger pitchers. You might be able to play them in a piggyback, long-inning relief-type role in the postseason. Perhaps get a couple of them postseason experience as well. You could see how the season goes with these younger guys and potentially make a trade at the deadline if you're needing another starting pitcher. Not signing a back-end innings-eater type starter is not the end of the world for the Dodgers. In fact, could be the best thing that they decide to do if a lot of these younger guys are given opportunity and they are able to prove themselves. And even if they are able to prove themselves, like Ryan Pepio did, they could trade those pieces and get a good top end piece that the Dodgers are needing as well. I know there's going to be some roster crunch as far as the starting pitchers are concerned, but playing these guys, allowing them to just further increase their value could be something that is very valuable and something the Dodgers see as worthwhile. The Damino, thank you so much for your comments. Always. Uh, I'm so excited to see more James Altman. Yes. And DMAC even mentioned this when I talked to him, Hey, Mookie Betts, very popular. Freddie Freeman, Freddie, uh, very popular. James Altman's up there amongst one of the most popular Dodgers right now in terms of fan popularity. Daryl Jackson, thank you so much for joining, Daryl. A wonderful Dodger daily, Daryl is. Hi, guys. I keep picturing how the team will be used. Yep, no doubt about that. And he also wanted to compliment you on your wonderful article that we have pinned to the top of this chat on Austin Gothier. That was a wonderful article. The Damino Austin is a good a good of a writer as Gator is a baseball player. Phenomenal stuff. That is from the Damino Austin. Wonderful job. El Rojas says, is Rosario still under team control? Uh, are you talking about Ahmed yes. Rosario? No, he is a free agent. I believe he came, became a free agent after the end of this past season. So he is not part of the conversation right now. Yep. So now you're talking about for the middle infield. You're talking about bets at second. You're talking about Lux at short with uh, Rojas filling in off of the bench. Yeah, Tommy Price says, so 2020 doesn't count. Absolutely, it counts. 100%. Hell yeah, it that's counts. a world championship. 100%. It absolutely is. My, my kind of my my point to that is though that that other fan bases would like to make like to make it think make you think it doesn't and if you win another one the next time you win another one you can kind of just throw all of that out the window but I think it would help alleviate 
All of that is kind of what I'm saying. Okay, Flatlife, hey, do you know how Ben Kasperius finished? Yeah, Ben Kasperius, we've covered him quite a bit, just got a chance to talk to him. And he was actually in our prospects coverage that we had last week. Up and down, made a lot of different adjustments. He finished last season throwing the ball better than he has his entire career. He's super pumped. Matter of fact, I just talked to him two weeks ago. He is so super pumped about where he is at right now. His wife, congratulations to her. She was nominated, or she was actually listed as a top 10 female athlete of all time in the ACC. She was a four-time national champion at UNC in field hockey. She is now the head coach there at UNC, and they won the national championship in a shootout. And so that was super exciting about Ben Kasparius. I asked him who's the better athlete between he and his his is it his wife? I think it's his wife. Don't quote me on that, though. Uh, and he said, that's an easy one. It is her. <laughs> so, yeah, Ben Kasparius throwing the ball. Although the results are up and down, it's because he was making a million adjustments. He is throwing the ball better than he ever has. Did he keep struggling last year on the move to double eight? Yeah, so... Okay, Mike. Hey, Mike says, if you're new to the live, welcome. Make sure to hit the subscribe button. Smash that like button. Support the channel. Thank you so much, Mike, for moderating. Mike is such Mike, – Mike's written some wonderful articles. He had the wonderful hot take the other day on Imanaga. Was that not just knockout, man? I'm still getting comments about that hot take from Mike. Yeah, no, he did a phenomenal job with that. He does an amazing job writing articles. He is part of the family with Dodgers Daily. Yeah, Mike does a phenomenal job. He does an amazing job with the international side. That's something that I just don't have any sort of yeah, idea right. or any sort of thoughts as far as that world is concerned. So he does a phenomenal job filling in with some of the holes that I have, some of the holes that Casey has. Uh, Mike is so good at what he does. Will Mickey Rojas spend time in Oklahoma City this year? Not unless he is hurt and on rehab. John Causey, yep, got to trade Bush. I've been telling Dodgers fans, but most won't want to hear it. Yeah, because everybody wants to hoard so their team can be the best, right? We look at it from the player's perspective, especially before they make the major leagues, because there's such a difference in salary. We want these guys, be above anything else, we want these guys to make the major leagues. Christopher Navarro, thank you so much for joining, I believe, fam. Uh, slap Jock Peterson for a fantasy football transaction he didn't approve of. Yeah, hey, Denard2010 says, hey, Casey, why the Dodgers don't give a, give him a true chance? Yeah, man, just a lot of talent, a lot of talent, a lot of people in the way. It seems like every move they make just blocks Michael Bush. It's, it's a crazy deal. It's frustrated the hell out of me for a long time now. If I'm frustrated, I can only imagine. I've seen Michael Bush in the dugout in AAA Oklahoma City many different times. He's never shown that frustration. I can guarantee you that. He's been a true professional about it, but you got to know, especially if he starts this year at AAA, it, it, that's going to be just devastating. Okay, Christopher Navarro, Bush in left field and second base when Mookie plays right field. The only problem is he played, He came into the Dodgers as the first baseman. They moved him to second base. Then last year they moved him to third base. You're going to be talking about having asking a guy to, to play his fourth defensive position in the last two years and also break into the major leagues at the same time. That's a big ask, even for a guy as talented as a Michael Bush, John Cause. You see what I mean? They just don't want to let go of Bush. Yeah, they definitely need to trade him if they don't have a role for him. Oscar, good evening, Oscar. Thank you so much for joining. We are going to get to all these comments. We are about down to the end. Reported a $100 million deal could be coming for Imanaga. No doubt about that. And by the way, 
If you want to know all about Imanaga, go to her hot take from Monday. Mike covered it all. He has everything that he predicts for. And by the way, he predicted everything perfectly, perfectly for Yoshinobu Yamamoto way before anybody else had it. So go check out that hot take from Monday. Mike has all of that covered. John Kazi, yes, Jock. Jock was fantastic. He was the, the minor league player of the year, I believe, in 2014. What about putting a bunch of our older pitching prospects, Gartai and Bush, in a package for Cease and Luis Robert Jr.? I think you could maybe get Cease for that. I, I think Luis Robert Jr. would take almost your entire farm system. <laughs> Oh, it's it's going to take a lot, and the and the White Sox would want guys that are younger in this system too. They would covet a Dalton Russian. They would covet a Josue De Paula. They're going to cover the top top end type guys because of the value of the contract for Luis Robert that he has, and with the value that Dylan sees brings. They're going for it all for the Dodgers system. And that's going to be a very tough thing to overcome. And even just looking at Luis Robert, he's an incredibly talented player. He's got all of the different tools that you want in a player. I have a little bit of concern about the future, about some of the plate discipline numbers that he has. I've seen a player like a Javi Baez really drop off at some point. I'm concerned a little bit about that at some point in the future. Could be that with the value that he has on his deal, it doesn't even matter. He's so good of a player. He's going to put up five war a season. He would be an incredible get. That's just me, though. He would be a phenomenal get. I just don't know if that's worth it for all of those prospects. I think you could look somewhere else to fill a need on this team. Yep. Hey, our moderator, Mike, says, I watched Stone pitch in spring trading and two starts at Dodger Stadium. He pitched really good in spring training, didn't look comfortable in the majors. No doubt. That up train, up down train, man, I'm telling you, it gets you. It's tough whenever you don't have a consistent role at the major leagues. Definitely not a comfortable situation. How about this, Austin? Jose Antonio from Mazatlan, Mexico. I'm probably not saying that correctly. I tried my best, Jose. So thank you so much for joining. I think we need young speed players. I call them dynamic players. Yankees have a lot of outfielders. Maybe Oswaldo Cabrera. Ooh, that would be a little bit of an interesting outside the box. I'd have to do a little bit more research as far as Oswaldo Cabrera. Uh, Yankees obviously have a ton of talent. They have Juan Soto. They're going to be going for all in, so they'd probably be looking for major league ready guys they you got rid of a lot of their arms especially in that Juan Soto tw- type deal so they could be looking for especially some of the younger arms that the Dodgers have to kind of fill into that system um Waldo Cabrera I'd have to do a little bit more research yeah. honestly to get a little bit of a better I know he has some positional versatility I know that he can play bat uh switch handed it looks like yeah. for cabrera so i'd have to do a little bit more research to get an actual opinion on that definitely something outside the box i'll do a little bit more investigation before i get kind of my full thoughts uh on him 2022 better than 2023 uh especially at the uh major league level so could be something outside the box young controllable guy that they could get for some young controllable pitching outside the box situation i could i could potentially see them going outside the box i just have to do a little bit more research on cabrera jose from mexico thank you so much you are absolutely reading my mind i have been screaming 
since the Dodgers finished this season, well, from the beginning of last season, need more dynamic players. The boomer bust, it's not terrible. The three-two outcomes is not terrible. It does score a lot of runs. But I think the Dodgers need to add some dynamic offensive players that have great bat-to-ball skills and are based on speed to add to that lineup. So I am totally on that page. Jose Christopher Navarro, Michael Bush deserves the same chance that Miguel Vargas had last year. Give him a shot at left field at the worst. He'd be the next generation utility player. Yeah, and then John says Bush is a lefty and a below average left fielder. That is the problem. He's another left-handed bat. The Dodgers are already left-handed heavy, and he's not very good in left field. I'm just going to tell you point blank. I, I don't mean to throw shade to him there, but, I mean, that's not shade because he hasn't played out there. It's not – I mean – it's hard. It's a hard thing to do to adjust. Not only, you know, it's one thing to field a ground ball, but to go from fielding ground balls to taking fly balls and reading those angles, man, that's a hard, hard thing to do. So, yeah, he does. from that perspective, he's left-handed, doesn't feel the right-handed stick perspective, and then also he's not very good defensively in the outfield. Maybe he can get better, but is this a, 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 is this a major league team that has Shohei Tani? that is wanting to put a left fielder out there that's a complete 100% total experiment? That would be my question. Yeah, that is the big question. It is about finding the role for Michael Bush, which is hard to see on this team, even with the amount of talent, the amount of upside that he has. He doesn't fit the right side as far as the way, the the type of player the Dodgers are looking at, right versus left-handed. And there is concern about his defense in the outfield yeah. as you mentioned so it's hard i don't mean to throw shade when i say that, that guys I, I mean but i think that's fair to say yeah yeah and it's it's hard to envision a role right here now the dodgers could prioritize him and say hey he's got so much upside yes, with the bat and that's what it would take. go ahead and go with it yeah yeah and that's that's going to be a an intentional decision that the Dodgers are going to have to make if they want to get Michael Bush consistent playing time. They're going to have to make that decision intentionally, no matter if they have too many left-handers in there, no matter what sort of struggles that he might or might not have in left field. That's going to be an intentional decision by the Dodgers. It's, it, I find it hard for the Dodgers to justify that just with the way the roster is constructed right now for them to make that decision mm -hmm. be with as much talent as they have. So that's why I think it's more likely that you see him in some type of trade package, which would be so much better for Michael Bush because he would actually get an opportunity if he is involved in some sort of trade because another team who might not have or might have a little bit more of a hole, whether that be in the infield, whether that be in the outfield designated hitter, we're going to see upside of Michael Bush and be like, yeah, I want a hitter like Michael Bush on my team. It's just hard finding a role for him on this Dodgers team this yeah, year. Yeah, Aaron, good evening. Thank you so much for joining. We talked all about uh, Chambers, the young man that that the, the Justin Chambers, the young man, the 18-year-old that the Dodgers got that they traded for for Brian Hudson which, hey, we're very high on Chambers. We're very high on the fact that you got something for the return of Hudson that you weren't going to get before. The Dodgers pulled a rabbit out of their hat. We talk all about him. We show video of him pitching. So, Aaron, if you would go back to the beginning of this chat, and you will see we talk all about him, for, I think, for like 10 minutes, something like that, with, with video behind it. So that would probably be a better situation. You would get more out of that, I think, if you did that. So our last couple of comments, rotation six-man. Yes, I've addressed that. I think it's 
I think it's going to be a five-man rotation with a six-man rotation for that six spot. Does that make sense, what I said? So guys are going to rotate around that six spot between between Nick Frosso and Landon Knack and Ryan Yarbrough. I don't think it's going to be one guy named the sixth starter. I think it's going to be a rotation of, of guys in that sixth spot, and I don't think it's always going to be a six-man rotation. I think there's going to be long periods of time where it's a five-man rotation and then periods of time also where you have a rotating six-man rotation. I think the Dodgers are going to be very creative with that, and they have the depth to do it. And we are going to finish our conversation tonight with our, our, our last comment from one of our great Dodgers dailies. Hepatitis, see you later. Tyler Anderson probably will be DFA'd. He'd be a cool innings eater for cheap. And Dodgers, 818, do you think the Dodgers – We'll get Max freed. We're going to leave that as the last comment. Austin. Yeah, with Tyler Anderson, if he gets designated for assignment, you'd be able to get him, I believe. You could potentially go out. It depends on if he becomes a free agent or not and when you could sign him to more of a league minimum type deal or if you'd be comfortable eating some of the contracts that he has. Tyler Anderson could be a good innings eater. We've seen him succeed with the Dodgers in the past. He would be left-handed, and so that'd be something of benefit because the Dodgers don't have a ton of left-handed pitchers even though we've talked about in the past we prefer better pitchers as opposed to determining which side you pitch whether that be right or left-handed i don't see him as a bad option if you're looking for another innings eater type role i don't think he would fall all the way down to the dodgers in the waiver wire though that would be yeah that would be tough in order to get him you could do some sort of trade type situation like brian hudson if you wanted to go after and get him because you're gonna have to open up some sort of spot on this 40 man in order to get him now are you willing to trade so a prospect in order a very good prospect in order to get him that's a different discussion he could be an option if he becomes available i think there's still a couple of steps that have to take place for him to become available as far as Max Freed, this is talking about the free agency of the 2024-2025 offseason. Uh, I haven't done a ton of investigation yeah. with him is concerned. If the Dodgers, as we've talked about a lot throughout this show, if they want to get Sasaki, it's going to be difficult to get Bueller. It would also probably be difficult to get a Max Freed. He's going to cost some money in order to get him. Yeah. But if you believe that Max Freed would just add another level, you would add another a, you would add a left-handed pitcher to this roster. I think he has a lot of talent. It'd be stealing some talent from the Braves, which would be something that would be nice to be able to do. Mm-hmm. But right now it's a little bit too far out to project that. Still a lot of dominoes that have to fall, but it is the year 2024. 2024 is going to be a good and exciting year for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, so we had a surge of people come in. We This is the most amount of people we've had in the lobby. So I'm going to answer these questions. Can we trade these prospects already? Yeah, we've talked about that. Do you agree with me the Dodgers need a left-handed guy in their bullpen? I actually don't. I think Caleb Ferguson's going to have a good year. I think he's back off the injury. I think he's going to knock off some rust. I think Ryan Yarbrough is good in the bullpen. I think the Dodgers are also going to sign Clayton Kershaw. I think he's going to take a role that will let him go both ways. And I think Alex Vesey is not going to have to pitch high leverage innings. So I think that will work out well 
for the Dodgers. So I don't think they need to go get a left-hander specifically for the bullpen. Christopher Navarro, great insight. Love talking Dodgers baseball. Fans in 75. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you for being a part of the live, Christopher. And that is going to do it for us tonight. It has been a wonderful show. We've had a bunch of comments. We got to all of them. So that's what we want to do. This is your show, and we certainly enjoy it. And we had a wonderful crowd tonight. So for Austin Brubaker, I'm Casey Porter. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, don't forget, tomorrow night we are going to have our live show. And on the live show, we are going to have the Dodgers Top 10 Prospects list. We are going to cover all of them. It takes about an hour. We're going to chat. We've already recorded it. We're going to play that recording as we go tomorrow. And Austin and I are both going to chat over the video playing. We cover all 10 with video analysis. We break them down. Fundamentally, we break them down, all their physical aspects of it and everything. So it's going to be a wonderful show. We're super excited. Again, 6 o'clock tonight, uh, 6 o'clock tomorrow night, Pacific. Join in for a Dodgers Top 10 Prospects list per the MLB pipeline. So looking forward to that. Thank you for tuning in tonight. And for the last time on Dodgers Dogs for the evening, I would like to, to, to thank everybody again and say, Go Dodgers! <laughs>